Holy Spirit, if you want to do anything today, Lord God, if you want to continue doing your work today, we are totally open, Lord God, to your will, Lord God. Because it's not about us and our agendas, Lord God. We set everything up, Lord Jesus. Lord, just to set you up to do whatever you want to do, God. It is not my church. It is your church, Lord God. This is not our moment. It is your moment, Lord God. I pray we set aside everything else, Lord God. The Holy Spirit speak to us. Even right now, just bow your heads and ask God, God, whatever you want to speak to me today, Lord, I am open, God. Whatever you want to say, Lord God, I pray your peace would flood this place as we worship you, Lord God. That your peace would flood this place, Lord, right now, Lord God, and bring comfort, Lord, to the deepest part of our wounds, Lord God. And that you would reveal, Lord God, sins, Lord God. You would reveal, Lord, things about us, Lord God, that we need to bring out, Lord God, and give to you, Lord God. Even right now, we just start offering things, Lord God, in our lives, Lord, that's yours. It's not ours, Lord God. The things that we hold on to, Lord God, the things we want to control, Lord God, we, we just give it to you, Lord God. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. In Jesus' name. the guys are getting together back there I just want to speak to you from there's so many thoughts going through my head right now I'm, I'm, I'm just making sure that God has his space to do whatever he wants as we were as we were saying the words great are you Lord I was thinking of Peter when he said you are the Christ son of the living God a moment where Peter boldly declares who Jesus is and then Jesus then tells Peter who he is. It's a beautiful moment. And I, I, many times, I think we want to find out who am I, who am I, what do you want me to do? But I think in this moment and in our lives, we need to start telling God who he is of our lives and he will start telling you who you are. And that you are loved. Many people in this room, I want you to know that you are deeply, deeply loved by Christ. <laughs> I was reading that this is love that Christ, that God would send His Son to, to give His life for us, that that's love, that that's love. And I just was meditating on that for a couple of days, how beautiful that God Almighty, the great Almighty God would love us so deeply that He would give His life to us. And that starts everything. You start meditating on that, and every day you, or your day seems a little, just a little bit smaller you seem a little smaller and God gets just a little bit bigger and it, and it, there's so much joy in that in, in the words of John the Baptist in John 3:30 he says you he must increase and I must decrease and right before that he says because my joy is full he says my joy is complete in Christ and then he says those words and I'm telling you when God becomes be, begins to increase in your life your joy will begin to be full. Your joy will begin to be filled up. If you need joy today, worship God with all your might. Don't hold back in any part of your life from God. If you need hope today, worship God with all your might. I'm telling you, that is when our joy is absolutely complete.
We are only complete in Christ. Jerry Maguire is absolutely wrong. No one completes us. He's wrong. Only God who made us completes us in him. Amen? Amen. And as we give today, just know that generosity is a non-negotiable for a Christian. That I and you and those who follow Christ, we choose to live generously. I'm not only talking about in this room. I'm talking about with our lives, with our time, with those. Maybe you are going to a restaurant. Do not be a cheap tipper, please. I pray that we will be known for our generosity. Generous in what we have. Generous in our grace when people wrong us that we can turn and look to them and be generous in our grace back to them. Generous in grace with our kids when they're driving us crazy for those moms and dads who, whose kids are home now and, 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 and the schedule is different. Be generous with your patience. Generous with your love. And, and, and as we give today here at Hill City, our generosity, our goal is to continue to reach our city. We're reaching our city with Recovery Road that's our meeting on Friday nights. And if you, there's something in your life, there's hangups in your life, we have a class or a support group for you on Friday nights. And those who are in here, please pray for that. Our community, I, I put the post up uh, on, uh, on the next door and people constantly comment to me but they don't actually show up and uh because it's hard to take that first step to say i'm in need right but i i just tell them i'm praying for you we love you and and if you need a place if you need a squad if you need a team we got one for you also continue to pray for haiti we're sending a team to haiti and haiti just is in absolute need of our prayers and we believe prayer changes everything Prayer changes everything. We want to get in line with what God is doing. Also pray for Ethiopia. Our missionary uh, has come back from Ethiopia, and he's telling me such great things that are going on. And uh, there's something that I might bring forward, but I'm not. not. But if you are interested in teaming up uh, with our, our missionary in, in uh, equipping widows in, in, in uh, Ethiopia to start a business, uh, and then we will send out uh, the he has social worker set up. There's a lot of things going on But if we can take care of the widow and the family there's six families that are in uh, six widows that we want to uh, uh, That he says that needs uh, to start that he needs someone to help start businesses with and if you want to be in on that If we can start off for this widow and the orphan I'm telling you you're getting you're doing what Jesus has told us to do and so we want to get in on that as well that we are a part of God's solution for love and justice across this world. And, and lastly, I want to bring this up. If you want to be a part of Safe Families, and Safe Families is an organization um, that, um, that helps uh, families who are in need, maybe going into medical care or going into recovery for a week, and you'll take care of their children so that, uh, so that uh, child protective services won't take away their kids. Some of you will be a big auntie or an uncle, and, or, and you can bring them into your family. Uh, we have Dean back there, and uh, please uh, talk to him, or you can talk to me. But I want us to take a next step in that. I want you to pray about it. Don't, don't just agree with me. Pray, God, is this something you want me to do? And then if God says yes, like, yeah, take care of orphans and widows, then do it. Just say yes. 
There's some things we need to pray about, and there's some things God has already told us to do, right? Let's do those things. Let's do those things. And I'm going to just pray. Heavenly Father, there's so many things I, I could bring up, but I just pray, Lord God, generosity is not negotiable for the Christian. Lord, it is a mark of your spirit moving in hearts to say, God, great are you, Lord. Greater than I want to please me, I want to please you, God. Greater than I want to take care of me. I, I love people as I love myself, Lord God. We do nothing out of a selfish ambition or vain conceit. We treat others. We love others greater than ourselves, Lord God. That is the mark of you. That is the mark of living in your way, Lord God. And I pray as Hill City Church, we take one more step towards you today in our giving, in our living today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Those beautiful times of worship, don't take it for granted. Don't take those moments for granted. Make sure that when God is speaking to your hearts, we are inclined to listen and we just, just lean in just a little closer. Just a little closer. Today, we have the privilege of continuing uh, the sermon series, uh, The Way, Practicing. Uh, the ways of Jesus. It's just, it's just the, it's spiritual disciplines for normal people. Normal people like you and me. And, uh, and for several weeks, we got to t talk about joy. We got to talk about prayer. We got to talk last week about serving. How serving, of course, is a non-negotiable for the Christian. And that I believe some, for some of you guys, God was speaking to your hearts. And, and, uh, and I pray, don't negate that. Don't push that aside. Rather, step deeper into it, because I'm telling you, obedience is, is so crucial to your joy. Obedience is so crucial to being who you need to be and, 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 and the way we become more like Christ. But today, I get the privilege, and, and we get the privilege of hearing Hannah, and Hannah's going to come up. She's going to speak to us. Give her a hand. Uh, be excited. Give, give her your attention. And she's been praying for us, and uh, we've been praying for her. So this is a, a beautiful moment. And, and let God speak to you through his word. Amen? Thanks, everyone. Um, like John said, my name's Hannah. If I haven't met you, I've been an intern here at Hill City just for about three months. And we'll hopefully be doing that through the summer, too. Uh, one of the things I really like about Hill City is that I get completely exhausted after worship. Does anybody else feel like that? I, even, even in the midst of this, I'm like, don't sing too much. Don't sing too much. Your voice is going to get really hoarse. And then when it starts, you just get really into it. So that's one of the things I love about Hill City. And uh, just one of the things I'm excited about sharing with you all, even if I haven't met you, that we've been able to worship together and, and share that experience together. So like John said, um, we've been going through this series called The Way. And um, thinking through this, one of my passions is teaching the Word of God and just explaining it and being able to share it with other people in a way that makes the light bulb go on. That doesn't always happen, right? Um, I was a part of a children's ministry for many years as a teenager and young adult, and it was so fun when you actually had those moments when the light bulb went on for the kids. Doesn't happen every single time, right? Most of the time they're just throwing things or telling you they want their snack. 
So uh, it's really rewarding when you have those moments and you actually get to see them learn something from the Bible. So we know that the Bible is not just a guidebook. It's not just a religious text. It's not just uh, a text of enlightened wisdom or how you should live your life. It is the literal word of God for his people, and it's something that as Christians we treasure and we rely on to lead our lives as disciples of Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that it's useful for teaching. Oh, we'll get there. You, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So when John asked me which spiritual discipline I'd like to do, um, it was a pretty obvious choice that I wanted to talk about reading the Word of God for yourself and studying the Bible. And I'm hoping whether you're a Christian who thinks they've studied the Bible for quite a long time, or you're somebody who has a lot of hang-ups with the Bible and doesn't feel like you really get why it is such an important part of the Christian life, that either way you'll be able to learn something and find out how Scripture is really purposeful in your own life. So as we've been talking about the way, John has brought up the example of the samurai. And we know that the samurai were this you know, ancient group of warriors and that they had a code of honor that they lived by. And it's really interesting if you look into it. I am no expert, but thank you, Wikipedia. Um, it's really interesting that they didn't have a written code. They actually just passed this code of living by example from person to person. And they lived by total allegiance to their shogun, their leader. And there's some interesting correlations with that and the Christian life because, yes, we do have a book. But in the early church, we didn't have the whole book, right? They just had the Old Testament. And they had the example that their leader had given them. And this leader was the one they had sworn total allegiance to. So if we think about it, there's that similarity there. And it's, it's really cool to think about even the word faith, because the word faith in Greek, you might not uh, have heard this before, actually has connections with the idea of swearing allegiance or loyalty. So it's not just this spiritualized idea of uh, believing in something or mentally assenting to something. It had the context of swearing your allegiance to somebody. And so maybe that can help you when you're reading passages about our faith in Christ to think about us swearing our allegiance, our lives to him. So the early Christians had the Old Testament. They also had something called a rule of faith. And this was something which governed how they interpreted the Old Testament. It was basically a set of beliefs, a basic beliefs you know the old um, Third Day song or the older Rich Mullen song? <laughs> you know, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. Then you know one of the creeds because that's one of the ancient creeds that they had to govern what do we actually believe as Christians and how should we read this Old Testament that we have? So they had that and they also had the idea of the bigger story of God. They saw themselves as participants in God's story, people who were living out his plan that started with creation and was bring, bringing uh, forth to culmination with the climax at Jesus' death and resurrection. 
They saw themselves living out that story of God. And these two things, the rule of faith and the story of God, help them to understand how they should live their lives and what the Old Testament texts were saying about Jesus. And we can do the same thing today. Even though we have the full Bible, those things still help us to understand what it really means. Because just like reading a Wikipedia page about samurai won't turn you into a warrior, as, you know, as much as I wish, that would be really cool to have those sword skills, uh, you can't just read the Bible and be turned into a follower of Jesus. It's in the doing of his word through the power of the Holy Spirit that a believer participates in the story of God and becomes a true disciple. So our main scripture for today, here you go, Michelle, is James chapter 1. <laughs> I think it's so cool that we celebrate the word of God at Hill City, most especially today, right? Very, very on topic. So we'll be in James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. And it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So in this passage, we have a picture of someone who takes a look at themselves in the mirror. Hopefully I won't blind anybody doing this. Takes a look at themselves in the mirror, walks away, and completely forgets what they look like. This is a pretty ridiculous idea because even if you're somebody who kind of looks at the mirror more out of habit than examination, um, you're pretty likely to remember what you look like. You might miss something in your teeth or, you know, forget to clean some of the eye gunk out of your eyes, but I don't know many people who turn away and immediately forget what they look like, you know. Um, you know, red hair, blue, blue eyes. I mean, maybe that's wrong. what's wrong with all the dating profiles online. I don't know. Just an idea. So James uses a purposefully over-the-top example. He's trying to get the attention of his readers and show them that the word of God is like a mirror. And when we are looking into it, but forget what it says about us, we're as ridiculous as the people who look into a mirror and totally forget what they've seen. So Adele Calhoun writes in her Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, in the Bible, God reveals to us both our sin and our belovedness. So the Bible shows us who we really are. And we can feel when we read it or we listen to it preached on a Sunday that it does convict us of our sin. And then for the believer, it also shows us how loved we are and how we are victorious in his victory. Unfortunately, James must be seeing a pattern where the believers he writes to are forgetting what the word says. They're hearing it and not doing anything about it. So if you jump up to verse 21, you'll see he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Obeying God requires accepting the transformation of God. We're supposed to see who we are and then use that knowledge to apply it in our lives. So we spoke about the early church a little bit at the beginning, and it's really interesting because the followers of Jesus at the beginning were not called Christians. They were called followers of the way, which is what the series is entitled. And they were called this because the people around them knew they were following the way of their leader, the way of Jesus. And as this ragtag group of Jews and Gentiles, fishermen and slaves, Pharisees and businesswomen began to grow, people began to take notice of this radically inclusive and diverse group of people and insult them. So it's probably as an insult that the Christians were first called Christians. And the word actually means of the party of Christ. It means that their ultimate loyalty was recognized to be to Jesus. So in this Christian life, in this life of discipleship, of exclusive allegiance to the one party of Christ, it means that when we look in the mirror through obedience to God by the power of the Holy Spirit, our reflection begins to look more and more like Jesus. And that doesn't mean we become less ourselves. It doesn't mean we stop seeing the individual God made in his image in the mirror. It means we become more truly what God has always intended us to be. Yet in James' time, and obviously in ours, it's really easy to take on the label of Christian without practicing that exclusive allegiance. This leads to what I once heard called the fat Christian problem. Now, I didn't come up with the term myself, so no emails, please. Uh, it is a really good uh, example that stuck with me, so I had to share it. The fat Christian is the person in James's story. It's the person who goes to church, listens to all the podcasts, goes to Christian conferences, reads sermons, and listens to them online, gets new Christian books every week or so to put on their shelf with the other Christian books they have, but they don't work out their faith in any way. So in America, this is really easy because we have so many resources out there. We can listen to any Bible teacher on the internet. We can go to a church on any corner. I passed at least six coming to church this morning. We can read one of the, on average, five Bibles that exist in an American household. And we can buy whatever best-selling spiritual book we want on Amazon. It'll come a couple days later, if not the next day, right? And we have a bit of pride in knowing that we are so spiritual and we have learned so much. And because we hear the word and read about it on a regular basis, we are intaking, we're eating a lot without actually using it. Now, the speaker who gave this example, at least to my memory, didn't talk about the equal and opposite problem. The Christian who may need emergency intervention as well. I was thinking if we have overfed Christians, then we probably also have starving Christians. We have emaciated Christians who don't know how to feed themselves the word of God. They don't know how to get the nutrients they need or absorb the transforming power of scripture so that they can have the power, ability, wisdom, and direction the Bible provides. 
Because these Christians rely on only occasional attendance at church to supply them with all the Bible knowledge they have, or a couple fluffy Instagram posts to tell them what the Bible says, there has never been true conviction of the scripture in their lives. And with this attitude, the word of God seems really intimidating. If you've never been shown how to read the Bible before, how are you supposed to know how to read it? It can either be intimidating or non-essential, because on the other hand, we just keep telling people that they're victorious in Christ and they'll get through anything without actually consulting the Bible. If we go back to the mirror illustration, this is kind of like looking in a carnival mirror, because some days you know that you're so victorious and God will prosper all your plans, because you've heard somebody say that before, and you don't understand why you're suffering. And on the other hand, you are crushed by the weight of your sin without realizing that God has forgiven you. Now, for most of us, I think we probably fall somewhere in between these two extremes. There's probably not a person who actually fits these stereotypes exactly. But I think they're good examples to show us how we can learn to study the word of God better. So instead of giving a one-size-fits-all prescription for how to study the Bible, I think we can look at a couple different points for each and find out what actually addresses our issues. So for the fat Christian, the first uh, point is work it out. We have to recognize our weak spots. Maybe we need to tally up a list of all the things we know the Bible says, maybe even the scripture we've memorized without applying any of it. How many times does the Bible say be joyful and we're satisfied with being the killjoy in the room? How many times does the Bible say be humble and we're happy to be proud of how much we know? How many times does Jesus call us to live out servant lives and we're satisfied to stay home? You need to figure out what you already know and do it. James writes further in verses 26 and 27, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is a verse that John referenced earlier in regards to the Safe Families Outreach. Who are we as the people of Christ if we're not doing anything that Christ told us to do? The second piece of advice is develop your palate. So if you are like me and your struggle is with being a fat Christian, it may be time to develop your palate. And I'm not talking like become a snobby sommelier of the Bible who tells everyone that what they believe is heresy and like denounces every teacher you've heard online, though there is a time and a place for denouncing false teaching. What I'm asking you to do is figure out how to favor what is most helpful, convicting, and challenging for your stage in life. Do you recognize you're struggling with prayer or need to understand the Old Testament better? Do you want to grow in your ability to evangelize or understand what God says about marriage and singleness? Don't spend five hours a week on reading technical explanations of the view on predestination and free will. Make sure you develop a lean diet that is Bible heavy, not other teacher heavy. 
and plays to the weaknesses in your life so you can be a well-rounded follower of Christ. Nobody's going to say, hmm, Kenny, you know, he's a real jerk, but at least he can explain post-millennialism to me. Grace, man, she doesn't have any grace for anyone, but I'm sure glad she knows all the celebrity pastors and whose new podcast came out. Nobody says that. Side note, Hannah, if you don't know, means full of grace, and that is a hard name to live up to when you're a kid with a temper, just in case anybody's looking for baby names. So number three is learn to savor. This one is a practical practice you can put into your daily devotional time. Richard Rohr says, our desire to know more read more and study more can be another expression of our culture and its acquisitive nature. Knowing God, not knowing more is the goal. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you need to trade in your yearly reading of the Bible for some actual time meditating on it. You have to savor it. If you've ever been to a fancy restaurant or just seen them on Netflix like me, then you know that they have super small courses and that they bring them out one at a time for you to savor the flavor of each dish. That's what we need to do with the Bible. So two practical ways you can do this is to meditate. Find a couple scriptures from the Psalms and spend some time in, quiet, uh, in a quiet place just talking to God about them. Mull over them in your mind. Chew them up. You can also use your imagination. Take one story from the Gospels and imagine yourself in it. Be the woman washing Jesus' feet. Be the blind man crying out to him and imagine him coming to, to you and saying, what do you want from me? Be the person who uh, it stops the children from coming to Jesus and then be the child embracing him. Use your imagination to fall in love with Jesus again. For many Christians, Bible reading has become dry, and we're too afraid to tell God or the other Christians around us that we find it really boring. But that's because we haven't spent enough time slowly pondering the word of God. Jesus will never stop surprising you. And when you love him, obeying the word will be easy. The last one for um, the that Christian, is share your portion. So last but not least, share your food. You have a lot to offer. There are pastors in third world countries who only have a translation of Mark from the Bible, and they still go around preaching the gospel to everyone in their area. We have so much more than they do, and yet we're just satisfied keeping it all to ourselves. If you know the word, you must share it with a dying world around you, and also with the community of believers who need guidance and mentorship. Invest your knowledge of the word in others to build up the church. So for the starving Christian, we have a few other points of application, but I think all of these can apply to any of us at certain times of life. Number one is eat the word. The top priority for a malnourished Christian is to learn to voraciously consume the word of God. Stuff your face. In short, you have to learn to feed yourself. 
This seems really difficult because if you've ever been an, uh, a new Christian and you've, well, hopefully you've been a new Christian and you've opened up the Bible and said, I'm going to read through this whole thing, usually get stuck in Exodus because there's a long section at the end that's all about them building the tabernacle. And you're like, oh, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Prince of Egypt lied to me. <laughs> so you need to maybe start somewhere else. It's okay not to read the whole Bible at once. It's okay. Start with something short. Find a book that you can read through in one sitting. How about Jonah or Ruth? Read through those books. They have amazing connections to the gospel. Read the gospel of Mark. You don't have to read the whole thing at once, but read big chunks of it and then read it again so you actually know what the life of Jesus looks like. And while you're doing that, practice the three basic steps of Bible study. Observe what's going on, take notes on the details, find out what the meaning is, and then apply it to your life. Get familiar with the Bible itself before you get familiar with every teacher who's checked. You can use resources like the ones John has uploaded on the Hill City app, or you could check out the Bible Project. Um, they're great, and they have YouTube videos that show the structure of every single book of the Bible. Those are things that can get you started, but most important, you want to pray that God would open your heart and mind to understand, appreciate, and develop a taste for the word. James says earlier in chapter 1 that those who want wisdom should ask from God, and he will give it to them. If you ask for God, from God the ability to read and understand the Bible, he's going to give it to you. Number two is feast and community. This is for everyone, so don't, don't uh, zone out. You cannot do this alone. None of us are meant to do it alone. When we go alone, we start to develop some really strange ideas about the Bible. That's actually how most cults start. I told somebody once, and I had heard it, it's not original, that Christians are kind of like potatoes. If you put one in the dark all by itself, it's going to start growing really strange things. So make sure you're actually in community. The Bible was meant for all of us, for the body of Christ. It wasn't a book given to individuals. So maybe as one individual, you ask to be your mentor. Maybe you know somebody who knows more about the Bible than you. Don't be shy. Ask them. Maybe it's a life group that you read the Bible together with. The Bible is a feast, and it's meant to be shared among all of us. Number three, the last one for you guys is learn the yes chef attitude. So if you've ever seen, I have never worked in a kitchen, so if you have, don't call me out on this being inaccurate. But in the movies, you always see the chef say something, and everyone says... Yeah, so develop that attitude. If you're a skinny Christian or a starving Christian, don't become a fat Christian. There's nothing more sad than somebody who's a new believer who gets acclimated to how things done are, are done in church and stops doing all the things they did when they first became a Christian. Sometimes people become new believers and they're like, I want to tell everyone. I want to evangelize my whole neighborhood. And the Christians in the small group are like, yeah, I mean, like, maybe you should learn some more first, or we don't really want to go with you, so it's happened a few times, and I have sadly been the fat Christian who says, 
I don't know if I want to go to the skate park with you and tell everyone about Jesus. So if you're a fat Christian, don't discourage people from loving God. If you're a, skinny, uh, a starving Christian, learn the yes chef attitude. Don't give up the passion God has given you. And make sure that everything you learn from the Bible is something you say yes to in obedience. You can work a little bit at a time. It doesn't have to be everything at once. If you don't know how to pray, start praying the Lord's Prayer. If you have a hard time with generosity, just give something. Find out how to make obedience a natural rhythm in your life. And this, of course, is for all of us because whether you're a new Christian or an old Christian, young or old, weak or strong, we have to find out how to say yes to God as he speaks through his word to us and continues to transform the image we see in the mirror. I'd like to end with a prayer that we could all read together. And this one is, it's from the Book of Common Prayer, which is an older book that people use in traditional churches, but it has some great prayers in there. And this one is about the Word of God. So I'd really like for us all to read it together. Give, we ask you, almighty God, that the words which we have heard this day with our outward ears may, through your grace, be so planted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Dear Lord, I do just pray over this whole service, over the people who gathered here, over people gathered everywhere in churches, Lord, that you would be with us, that you would cultivate an, a desire, a deep desire to know you through your word. Pray that it wouldn't be intimidating to us, that it wouldn't be uh, seem unnecessary to us, that it wouldn't seem dry to us, but that you would reignite our passion for your word. That if we have never taken the time to read it on our own, Lord, that you would give us courage to do that, that you would bring us together in groups who can do that together, that we would never forget how blessed we are that we have been given the word of God to show us your story, to show us your love, to show us the plan you have for each one of us, to be redeemed by the blood of your son, and to be a part of this amazing adventure that's going to go on forever. I pray, Lord, for everyone here who's struggling because they maybe they've heard the word taught wrongly before. It's been used in an abusive way, Lord. I pray for healing over those people, that they would not be caught up in things that are from um, the wrongful thinking of men, but that they would know your love and power and that you meant this book for them, for their strength, for their building up, for their endurance and faith. Pray, Lord, for everyone here who has read the Bible so many times, they're, they're not sure what to do with it anymore, or what you're asking them to do. I pray you show them one thing this week that they can obey you in, one thing that they can apply to their lives, and that you would bless them for that and just enforce that practice of living out your word, of doing it. Thank you for this time together, Lord, and just pray. You would bless us all in the name of your son. Amen.
Thank you guys for being here. And uh, man, just honored that we get to serve Jesus together. Let this week be memorable. Drink the word in. Chew it up. Uh, the word meditate really means to chew it. It means chew the cud. And just keep on chewing what you've learned today throughout your week. God bless you. Thank you, guys.